passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello and welcome to Rewind to Raw. It is John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting here on Monday night coming out of three hours of Raw on Evansville in Evansville, Indiana. Yes, yes. What sounds better? Holiday Monday, sit back, watch three hours of Raw from Evansville, Indiana. Sounds fun. I mean, it could be worse. No, um, it can't. Uh, I don't know. Nothing's coming to mind, but it was uh, it was a show tonight. I mean, you could you could be in a. I'm in a ba- I'm, I'm in a bad mood. I'm just going to start off just with that, <laughs> so it's going to reflect in my overall tone. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, you have. Why those types are of you days. in a bad mood? What what, what do you I, have to complain about? I don't. I don't want to get into it. How are you? You, you? So it's is it outside of wrestling or is it the wrestling that that's got you in a bad mood? Um, it's. It's not specific to raw. It is it is work related, but it is not uh, and nothing way related. But it, it it is me related. Okay, I'm I'm very upset with myself right now. You do you, do you want to talk about it? No, I don't. I don't really because this okay. is this is a fresh wound that I'm not ready to uh, uh, deal with right now. Okay? okay, well, whatever you're ready, you just let let us know. No, yeah. How are you? How was your night? How I I hear fireworks. Wild, a lot of, wild scene in the in, outside. Yeah, a lot of fireworks. A lot of fireworks um, in my neighborhood. A lot of fireworks all day, including during the daytime. Daytime you know, I, fireworks? That's yeah. sort of um. What's well, a it's a well, it's a waste of money, is what it is. Yeah, my my, my who, wife and I. Who sets off fireworks outdoors? Dude, I have no idea. In the sun. I don't know, but like my wife and I, like we took a walk earlier today out just in the neighborhood through some parks and just bang, 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 and I mean. It was fireworks, everybody. Okay, before yeah. you you make any jokes, there, like, it's a distinct sound. You know, the yeah. Difference. And like we see smoke, and and I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like who who can appreciate these these fireworks? You know, when during when the lights still out. So maybe it's for um, little kids that can't stay up late till when it's dark. I suppose so. Like is that? It's like it, what's the point at that? Is that point? worth it? 
if I was like yeah. six years old and I'm watching this, I'd be like, what's the big deal about fireworks if I'm watching them? I'm not going to grow up to appreciate fireworks. Wait I till mean, I'm old enough. They're totally overrated, like really. Yeah. And they're terrible for dogs. Oh, yeah. Um, bad probably for the environment, you know. I'm, I'm I, like, I don't hate fireworks, okay? Like one in special occasions, I think they should be limited to like, you know, like one communal blast of fireworks. Like we, well, oh, okay. It's like at this time, we all look up in the sky, we all enjoy the fireworks once, and that's it. You know, save it. For once next a year, year is good. We we have the sandwich together in the middle where we're gonna do this whole song and dance again in like five weeks for Canada Day. Exactly. Like, do we need? Why? Like, does Queen Victoria really need fireworks? You know, come on. Once a year is fine. Canada. What Day. if we had different traditions instead of um fireworks? Like instead we um. We like washed our cars during the day or something to show our love for the country. mandatory car wash. What if it rains that day? Then you know what? That's that's nature taking celebrating. See, I don't. I think that's a great idea. That's very productive, actually, because you know, I mean, cars need washing. Yeah, like how about just like you know, National Do Your Laundry Day? Like instead of fireworks, let's just use our energy to do something productive. You know. You know, at the be- at the beginning of the pandemic, my street they they tried to start this thing where it was like the first week of it, and everyone's at home. So at seven o'clock at night, they were all going to come out, and everyone was going to sing. What? I think this lasted all of one time where they tried to get the like the street to like come out and like what sing. what song. They were like playing music. I shouldn't say singing, like singing along with like music that they were playing. Like what, what kind what kind of music? Like pop? I did. Wait, do you think I took part in this? I was listening from my office here. I'm just kind of curious, like what what song would be known well enough that they they could encourage a, a communal choir? I can't remember. It's it's right at the beginning of the pandemic. You know what? I'm just th- this is actually getting me out of my my bad mood. Can I just go on a few segues here? Please, yes. Okay. The other night, I was going back to find the, the the show you and I did uh, with David Bixenspan right after the Dark Side episode. So that was May of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I'm scrolling back and just like, I never go back and listen to our shows, but I was very curious to go listen to the night of like that dynamite, the night when Rudy Gobert tests positive for COVID and everything is about to begin. Mm-hmm. It's like, Tom Let's Hanks. Go. Yes, Tom Hanks, which you, yeah. you brought up. Uh, and we're talking about this like minutes after Dynamite ends. And dude, you like nailed pretty much. We're discussing like, you know, there's no way you can go forward with, with WrestleMania. And you're like, you know what? WWE is going to do shows no matter what, unless the government actually stops them. Like they will be the absolute last ones to stop. And you were dead on. You were, you were dead on. I I appreciate the uh, <laughs> I suppose the uh, the kudos there, but I mean not exactly hard to predict. I think if you know the sadly the no, I mean that, that I mean not not the craziest uh, forecast, but to listen to it, it was just interesting as well, uh, just to hear okay. like what's what's this going to be? And we're talking like huh. man, there's there's already like um like a hundred positive cases in the, in the U.S. right now. It could grow. <laughs> I mean, this could be several weeks, if not months. Of, wow, uh, what, what, what's in store? I mean, that was before so much, you know, that was almost like an entire lifetime ago. Uh, did you have even did you even have a mask back then? On that day? No, yeah. no, definitely not. Wow. I might have already so. had some just because like I I mean, I think like in, in the Chinese community, at least it, it was already pretty big news, of course. 
So I think we were already preparing for it. But yeah, like that was that was the day when everything changed. Yes. All right. Uh, that, that's <laughs> was it. that your segue? Like why? Why? Why what the segue? Was, oh, what was the segue? Yeah. What was the point of that? How did we get from fireworks? <laughs> there no was idea. something in there that triggered that. that you memory. said you, you wanted to go back and listen to our, the David Bixon Span interview. Well, that's what got me going through back shows. And then uh-huh. when I'm in May of 2020, I scrolled back to March of 2020 and clicked okay. on that show just to listen to it. I don't know. I don't know. So how that was the segue for just to say you did that. A tangent would be a better uh, description of what I just did. Okay. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Let, let's get into everything. We're just wasting time right now. I have things to deal with. I think uh, what you meant to say was you listened back to that interview because you had to prepare a little bit for an Owen Hart post-profile director's that's right. commentary show. That's right. That's right. Uh, last week, I said, hey, wait, there's a holiday on Monday. Uh, should we do a new show or do you want to just throw on like the Owen documentary? We could run that. And Wei said, well, instead of taking the day off, how about we do a two-hour show instead? It's like, brilliant. Let's do that. So that is what we did on uh, on this holiday Monday. Wei and I sat down. And uh, this is the first time since we released this that I have sat down and listened to this entire Owen Hart audio documentary from start to finish, uh, which was uh, uh, featuring many of – oh, I look at that photo of me. Just I'm <laughs> – Wonderful, wonderful shot. Um, what's wrong? Yes. What's wrong? You, you, Nothing. You know, I don't. Like I'm trying to imagine what what I'm what I'm saying here. I've got like my hands up, like uh, I've got that look on my well, face. Well, you know, you I'm, two thumbnails. You know, you they, they they try to. I mean, we try to pick the most expressive, deep in thought type of conversation uh, still shot. So that's what I was going for. That was me about 35 choice. minutes ago. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it's up on YouTube <laughs> that's, right now. That's that's my good mood evaporating <laughs> from my body, as you can see it right there in the flesh. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, uh, we did a two-hour show today, a director's commentary version of the Owen Hart's Final Day audio documentary that was released in May of 2019, and a lot of great feedback to the show. Yeah, so far. Thank you to everybody who took the time to join us this afternoon or is listening to it after the fact. The audio podcast is available to all patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com. Or if you're not a patron, just go to youtube.com slash postwrestling. You can watch it for free. And uh, we want to thank everybody who joined us live and actually sent a super chat or a super sticker. Uh, I'm not going to have a final tally of everything until probably like 24 hours from now. That's how long it takes YouTube to like convert everything basically to, to dollars but uh, at the end of all that we will tally it up and john and i will match that donation amount it'll all be sent to the uh, owen hart foundation so uh, all for a really good cause i thought and some really great information in, into the making of this documentary as well john yeah i enjoyed doing it. it was a great idea that way had so thanks to everyone that joined us live or want to check it out after the fact the uh, the video version is up uh, on the youtube channel and you can also get the audio version of it uh, if you are a post wrestling cafe member and what a week to be part of the post wrestling cafe because on tuesday ask away returns uh the thread is up at forum.postwrestling.com so you can still submit your questions and for those that are double double ice cap or espresso patrons we will be doing this show live and what does that give you access to on tuesday way well, live access, of course, right at three o'clock Eastern time. So after you listen to the post news update, maybe get yourself some lunch or maybe if you're in the middle of the workday, maybe actually do some work, you know, not that much. Maybe just taking some fireworks. 
why not some post uh, some some um, midday daytime fireworks enjoy yourself have a great time <laughs> annoy all the dogs out there but then at three o'clock if you're a double double plus patron you can join us live you can even ask a question live by joining us on the live stream so uh check that out tomorrow three o'clock eastern Three o'clock Eastern. Uh, also this week, uh, Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure will drop on Thursday. They're going back to Reb Pro and New Japan's Global War show from 2016, the second night featuring Chris Hero against Katsuri Shibata. And then everything leads to Sunday night. We will be live minutes after double or nothing. And it might be a very late night, uh, but we will be live here on the YouTube channel and available to download uh, by searching for post wrestling on your podcast app. Live reaction to Double or Nothing and taking your calls. So that's happening Sunday night. AEW, Sunday night. Sunday night. Okay, I got to get that mixed up these days. But AEW okay. is not a – I am always uh, unsure if it's the Saturday or the Sunday, but this is a Sunday night. Paper. Sunday. Sunday. Okay, one more quick cl- plug here, and that is for Karen Peterson's uh, show report. That's right now up, up right now on the uh, website, postwrestling.com, uh, talking about the Hanukkah Memorial Show. Bagus which I believe means great, mm-hmm. Vegas. Yes, so uh, there's a second annual Hannah Kimura Memorial Show that went up today. Uh, I've started to watch it, haven't watched it all yet. Maybe I'll talk a bit about it tomorrow on the Post News Update. I'll be joined by Kate from Montreal for that. But, uh, re- you know, if you're going to watch it, I highly encourage that you watch along with Karen's report because the commentary is only in Japanese, and there's oh. so much that goes on on the show that I think um, – is, is reliant on, you know, somebody, a guide, you know, to, to help you assist knowing a lot of the, uh, background, uh, for what, and a lot of the content that, that's being spoken here. So, uh, just wanted to promote that on the site right now. Yes. Uh, Karen's also on the latest edition of Postmarks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, excellent, excellent conversation that David and Bruce had with Karen. And also, uh, the NWA podcast dropped over the weekend. Uh, they had some, um, so some really great conversations on that show as well. So a lot of, uh, some, some quality stuff dropping over the weekend at postwrestling.com. If you want to go check out all of that as well. Are you ready to chat about raw from the Ford center in Let's Evansville, Indiana? Sure. Why not? Well, we started off with a recap of the tag title unification on SmackDown and out came a very solemn and somber riddle who came out by himself and is coming out with a very heavy heart calling Randy Orton his best friend and his mentor. And there's an RK bro chant. He says the last few years have been really tough on Randy because of his back. It's been hurting him. He could barely walk before their match on Friday. But he made it to the ring and I guess lost. Was this injury something that they had alluded to before? No, never. This is like really coming from out of nowhere, right? Like they didn't even attack his back in the post-match ankle, did they? No, as I recall, it was just like the steps or so. Like the big attack was on Riddle, like taking yeah. the splash. And it's Randy that's the one that's disappearing off TV from the injury angle. And Riddle is back wrestling so quick. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean. To me, it, 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 it was, I, I understand the need. Like it feels like they're going to Riddle first mm-hmm. in this, mm-hmm. you know, these dominoes of RK bros that Reigns is going to uh, uh, stack. And you want to have the attention on Riddle. But at the same time, like he was the, the victim of like the major angle and Randy, it, you did not have that feeling. Like you go off the air and it's, it's Riddle that's been destroyed the most of the two. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, it, it's, it's sort of the feeling I left off on Friday with that, um, Riddle was going to be the one written off rather than Randy. 
But uh, evidently, you know, some back injury that we didn't really know about until this point is uh, keeping him away. So he says that he he got very heated the way that the Usos won, and he calls Reigns a tribal piece of trash. And he will get his vengeance on Reigns and the Usos and everyone in the bloodline. He is going to do this before his career is over. So he's giving himself a lot of time and latitude like that. This, your revenge is coming. It might be now. It might be in five years, but it's coming. So he he's given himself a, a long. These are long term plans to take down the bloodline. I mean, you know, at this rate, like I don't know how many chances he'll have with Roman. He's going to move to a reduced schedule over the summer, and then who knows what what might be be of his Hollywood career, perhaps after this. So I think he's going to have to speed things up a little. Uh, he. Looked straight into the camera, a rarity in these WWE interviews, and told Randy that he loved him, and he's unsure about their future, and the segment ends with an RK Bro chant. No interruption, no attack, just like a very uh, kind of somber speech from Riddle, as it looks like uh, Randy will be off for some time to sell this attack, and mm-hmm. Riddle is going to be the focus, but definitely a much more serious version of Riddle that was presented here in the opening segment. Absolutely, yeah, and I thought he sounded good. You know, speaking a bit more seriously, we're used to him um, playing the airhead, of course, of the group and then um, making very dated weed references that uh, can't say that they smoked their ass. Uh, not today. No, they got burned against the Usos. Yes, they did. Yeah. But, you know, I thought he sounded good being serious here. I thought he still had like a bit of his personality in there. But I thought at the same time showed some real good emotion here at the the loss of his tag team, at the at his friend not being around here. So this seems to be at least a temporary. I mean, we had wondered forever, how are they going to end this run with the tag team? And does it end with a turn? And the answer is no. Neither of them are turning. They're both still complete baby faces. But Parting ways, seemingly, at least for the time being, as they go on to their singles directions, um, opening the door for a reunion in the future. And I like that. Countdown clock is on. TikTok until Cody, who will be taking on The Miz at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, which uh, everyone's going to make fun of this clock. But two weeks in, this thing has worked pretty well, where both weeks um, in the in the main demo, it's beaten the first hour of Raw. Um, you still get the viewership drop in the third hour, but that's all 50 plus all the other key demos. They're either staying equal or growing from the first to third hour. So, I mean, as long as this old people need their sleep. Okay. They they, they don't care how, how great the wrestling is. Okay. They're not, they're not watching. I mean, they're not Cody fans, I suppose, you know, but young people, come on. That's, that's, we're willing to stay up forever. They need to go have their their American dreams. That's it. Or nightmares. The Usos and Sami Zayn taking on Riddle and the Street Profits. Riddle's ribs are taped up and the Usos did a promo backstage with both sets of titles. Jay says that Orton isn't coming back after we bodied him. And they are introduced as the undisputed tag team champions. They fight at the entrance area, all six of them. And then we come back and the match begins it's the this was great. Riddle got to play both parts of RK Bro in this match. He sold and sold and sold. And then he eventually tags in Ford. And then we built the match to the big Riddle hot tag to do all of the Randy spots. So um Ford was in the middle for our second extended heat spot. And then it's Riddle coming in and 
He's hitting uh, exploders to Jimmy and Zane, sentons. Ford hit a huge Topicon hero onto both Usos, and it's Riddle with a draping DDT to Zane. The crowd is amped, by the way, for this. He calls for the RKO, but the Usos pop onto the apron, distracting him. But then the Usos just bail, and they leave Sami Zayn, who eats an RKO, and Riddle pins Zane and poses with the Street Profits. Yeah, yeah. I I thought it was a perfect ending, actually, you know? First of all, I love that they're continuing this Zane bloodline thing. My favorite part of this match was not any one particular move. It was seeing Sami Zayn dance to the Usos theme. Oh, he I walks out first and he's on the ramp and then like <laughs> down since they and like Zane is going wild. He's like he's like the best hype man of all time. And then you have the two Usos coming out and being like, What what is up with this with this dude? Um it's it was the greatest thing ever. I, I love it. I love the fact that they are actually teaming up here. And I thought the ending was perfect because the Usos, in leaving the match and letting Zayn get beaten up and taking the finish, the Usos stay protected. Zayn keeps entertaining us as the lovable fool. And Riddle comes out with some great spotlight on him as a singles guy. So um, it looks like he's next in line. And I thought it was a good positive week for that push. If you're looking at Riddle as... You know, if, if we're looking at money in the bank as the, as the likelihood of Roman's next title defense, um, I guess, does this give you optimism in terms of how they'll be promoting Riddle for this? Like he's not going to be going in as kind of, you can't go in as kind of the goof sidekick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they utilize Riddle now that they're going to, I don't think they're going to go all the way and cut out the comedy of Riddle, but I think certainly you're going to get a different presentation uh, over the next month and a half. I think it's going to be very much, you know, like the, it's the Kurt Angle syndrome. Like when you see a right. guy in a comedic light for such a long time, can you turn him still into a main eventer? Um, and I feel like they've had Riddle, like he's no matter like how goofy he's been backstage, he's always been serious in ring. He's always been a, a really good competitor. And I mean, he's taken a lot of pinfalls for the team. Um, but still, I think when he needs to be, the crowd can take him as a serious threat. And I thought today's promo was a good sign of his ability to be a serious, you know, likable baby face. So I, I have high hopes. And yeah, uh, are, are, are we sure that it's, it's, it, it would even be a pay-per-view? Like, is there a chance that they might do it on TV? Cause that's a long time to, you know, potentially keep Randy out. You know, when, when, I guess Randy for SummerSlam? Is that what you're thinking? Well, I, I would look at those as, as the two shows and whichever where, hmm. way they go. I mean, you could always flip it around, but just based on tonight, it would look like um, it certainly sounds like like Randy is not going to be back anytime soon. The way they, they set this up, like they gave him like a long term injury that he's been dealing with and a reason right. to be gone for uh, longer than a week or two, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which which certainly affects things like he has really yeah. risen to become like one of your key baby faces. Um, which is kind of why he's in this role. Like the at the beginning of the year, I don't know how many people would be expecting Randy to be, you know, in, in uh, have the potential to be, you know, headlining a major show. Do you think he'd be off house shows too, or Randy? Yeah. Um, I mean, Randy's already on like some like oh, not on like the the, the full time uh, house show schedule, but right. yeah, that that part will be interesting as well if he's off house shows too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you you kind of have to argue that, I mean, Randy kind of has to be away in order for Riddle to really take that spotlight. Because otherwise, I mean, Riddle or sorry, Orton would kind of overshadow him as a as a lead baby face. Bobby Lashley and Omos, <clears throat> they announced that their third match in this thrilling trilogy will take place at Hell in a Cell. And Lashley comes out. He says him and Wait, Omos. It would be the fourth match. Uh, WrestleMania. Backlash. 
and last week the cage oh, match. Did they have, oh, the cage match, of course. Yeah, so it's uh the fourth match. Yeah, um, I just uh, what totally do you what do you call third. like a fourth? Like it it wouldn't be a rubber match. Like what would what would it be like a a quadrilogy? A quadrilogy. Okay, that's it. That's it. This is not that not as cool sounding as a rubber match. You know? No, no. This is a square match. Square match. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Lashley says they still have more to fight over, and Omos and MVP are out. MVP is going to file a complaint after last week. Lashley says a regular match just won't be enough, and he makes the challenge to face MVP tonight, and the winner gets to choose the stipulation for Hell in a Cell. MVP accepts this. He says he made Lashley. He will end Lashley. So Lashley then asks him, when was the last time you even won a match? And I was waiting for MVP to say, I'm waiting for our tag title match when we won the turmoil last September, which was his last match. I don't remember that. Remember when they won the tag team turmoil match? They were supposed to get title shots and they never got them. This was a whole episode of Raw. They built around the tag team turmoil and Lashley and MVP ended up winning it at the end. Your memory is incredible because there's no way. I I, I don't remember Raw from two weeks ago. And then they circle the ring, and MVP gets knocked off the apron. Crowd got into this chanting uh, for Bobby. Um, I can't say I'm, I'm excited about another match between these two, but they are. Um, listen, they they are. They're trying they, their best with the with this program, and the crowd was taking to it here. They're realizing that Bobby Lashley is able to get matches out of Omos that no one else has been able to at this point. And if they want to showcase Omos at his best. While at the same time, I think continuing to push Bobby Lashley as, you know, as a, 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 an underdog babyface, you know, putting him in that role. <laughs> There's no better opponent for these two. And they should just do every pay-per-view together. For, like, for, two, for a year. Helena Solid. Like, you know what? Still a bit more to fight over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they, like, dude, every match on this show was, was a rematch, man. Like, that's that you have to get used to that if you're watching WWE these days. You, they're gonna, they run every feud to the ground. You know, by the time we're done with Becky and Asuka, or, or by the time we're finally ready for Becky and Asuka on a pay per view, is there still going to be that much more interest? We've already seen it twice in two weeks. So, it's, it's just the nature of how they're doing these shows. WWE is returning to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia on Saturday, November 5th for Crown Jewel. Dana Brooke is with Adam Pierce and says she wants Carmella. Becky bumps into her walking in, and that was all of Dana Brooke on this entire show. And Becky says that she, well, she complains about the loss to Asuka and wants it stricken from the record book and given the title match at Hell in a Cell. Pierce agrees to a rematch for tonight, and if you win, you will be added to Hell in a Cell. And uh, this seemed like just a... um just you could seal what the outcome of this was going to be because uh, I think mm-hmm. most people assumed that Oscar and Becky would have been together working and now now they need to change course and put these two into a title match. You and I had wondered, you know, after they announced Oscar versus Bel Air last week, well, what 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 would Becky's plans be? And I don't know why neither of us suggested her just simply being added to the three way, unless you did, and I'm mistaken, John. But I I didn't think of it. Um, and honestly, it's it's as simple as that. You know, we don't have anybody else for Becky Just Lynch. Just throw like, them into the match. Yeah, that's I, I was not surprised they did this at all. I don't dislike it either. I mean, you know, the feud that you have been building all this time has been between Becky and, and, and Asuka. So to you're able to continue that. You're able to add, you know, a lot more, I think, um, interest in it by having somebody the star power level of a Becky Lynch in there. And you're getting two weeks of main events on Raw as a result of, of it as well. Right. The Judgment Day come out. 
Damien Priest thinks you people are sheep. No courage. Ripley talks. Edge then takes the microphone and says that Judgment Day is a physical and mental power. You can recreate and rewrite your career by joining us and compares it to Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky, or Michael Jordan offering an olive branch. He says, I wasn't handpicked. What? To s- I'm so he's saying, he, he's saying, <laughs> first of all, have, have, I don't know, I don't watch football, but have like Gretzky or Jordan ever offered olive branches in their careers? Like what, 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 is that, what would that entail? To me, it's like an olive branch is like, you know, you're, you're extending. Say, you know, say like, oh, yeah, like, a, like, it's a, like you're bearing the hash. Truth. You know what yeah. I mean? This guy is like more recruiting people. I don't know if that's an olive branch. You're not yeah. maybe maybe he's mentally at odds with but, these these young wrestlers who are losing their careers. But have Jordan and or, or Gretzky ever been known to be like recruiters? Like they're they're more they're more the people that are getting recruited, or at least in Gretzky's case. Well, um yeah, I, I guess. I guess there's a maybe there's okay. a Marty Marty right. McSorley in the in the locker room that uh you know that can be Edge's enforcer. Um this promo. Be priest, yeah. So he explains that he was never handpicked to be on top of the mountain like John Cena. But he is a miracle of his own hard work. And he says that his success was from hard work, which is something you people are afraid of because you're too lazy. Eating Cheetos in your cubicle while their boss makes 10 times as much. You are sheeple. And I headbutted the glass ceiling. And then the crowd is chanting, you suck. And he asks, who is going to join us next? The hand of the humble deity is being extended. The hand of the humble deity. This is way better than an olive branch. Yes. Who will it be? Will Ciampa join us? Corey Graves? Alexa Bliss? Drew McIntyre? Liv Morgan? Finn Balor? Balor seemed the only one that they were curious about. And AJ Styles, who he says would be more healthy standing shoulder to shoulder with us rather than eye to eye. And perhaps you could join us and your kids could refer to me as Uncle Edge. This is our weekly debate about the Judgment Day way. Was this a uh, how was this? (laughs) And would this have been better backstage? Like I I thought I gave extra Uh. points to for last week. See, I, I I didn't think it made made much difference, but I will say, I mean, content wise, this still this is still a group that I think is still really struggling to be more than just a generic, hey, we're evil, join us, like you know, sort of call. You fans are losers. Yeah. You're lazy. <laughs> yeah, and I I'm getting to the point where I'm worrying that Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest are both kind of being drowned in that same sort of like generic darkness that you know has been plaguing Edge since he's turned heel. And to me, it's actually kind of made Rhea Ripley a bit less interesting than what she was. And certainly Damien Priest. I mean, I not to say he was doing great before this, but like at least compared to like the Bad Bunny run, he's far less interesting now than I think he was. But I actually felt like I got a bit of substance from Edge's promo this time around that I didn't necessarily get in the past. Like he's saying he's he's now kind of becoming more of like a motivational speaker gone wrong. Like an evil Tony Robbins type of thing. You know, he's saying most of us are afraid to win and work hard for what we want. Um, 
Whereas, you know, he's worked for everything. He's not a John Cena who was given everything. He's worked hard to headbutt the glass ceiling and, and whatnot. Um, and I can get into that. You know, I like the idea of like somebody yelling at somebody because we don't work hard enough. Sure. But it's being kind of like dressed in this whole darkness, you people, generic kind of hometown crowd booing type of shit. And it's it's making it maybe less interesting than perhaps what it could be. Yeah, it's um, I'm not into this group at at, at present. I, I feel that Edge is one person that, to me, did come off like a star in this company. And I think this has drastically brought him down. I, I see a lot of comparisons to when Daniel Bryan came out of retirement in 2018 and where he was six months later. Um, and I would say he was more entertaining as like the environmentalist Daniel oh, Bryan. Way more. Yeah, way more interesting of a name. More entertaining, yeah. but I would still say not being used to his potential during including that that run of what you had here that. Brian Danielson had come back and this guy should be, you know, one of your top guys. I feel like Edge has had more of a chance, though. Like he's played the the returning nostalgic sort of not I don't want to say nostalgic, but sort of like the what is it? Rocky Balboa story of like, you know, uh, somebody coming out of retirement and having that baby face run. He was that character for like a solid year and a half or two years even, wasn't he? You can turn him, turn him. But to me, this is. This feels like mid-card heel, and I think a lot of his star power has vanquished with this character for me. Like mm-hmm. He feels like another person on the show to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that turns into a mixed tag match where it is Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley taking on AJ Styles and Liv Morgan, who are out. Uh, Morgan hits a dive onto Ripley and then a sliding knee from AJ. That sets up the commercial break. Uh, we see a Pele kick sending Priest off the apron. And then Morgan is tagged in with the Eradicator. And she hits the double knees off of the middle rope. But Edge places uh, the boot of Ripley onto the rope and thus uh, getting involved here, which prompts AJ to then go after uh, go after Edge on the floor. Uh, we go to the ending and Liv sets up Ripley for the Oblivion. But again, Edge prevents the move from happening and Ripley is able to capitalize and pin Liv Morgan Afterwards, Edge attacks Edge and Priest, but he's outnumbered, and it leads to Edge hitting the spear with Damien doing the sweep with their double-team maneuver, and then Ripley laying out Liv Morgan with the Riptide. And all I could go back to is last week where AJ, Finn, and Liv made this solemn pact that we've got to operate in numbers so that we're not outnumbered. So to me, at the very least, give me some reason why Finn Balor is not coming to help these people. You just established like the reason AJ and Liv are together is this pact that they made one week ago. Just tell me Finn's Finn's at home. Finn's sick. Finn's not in the building. Something. This is, uh, to me was such a giant hole here. These guys just got killed. He's he's at home sorting his Lego collection. Yeah. Give me no, anything. You, sure. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought Bullet Club was for life. You know? No, it was for a week. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no explanation. I mean, maybe the, the idea might maybe do you think it's to tease that he might be turning joining the judges? He's already day? been fighting them for all these weeks. I mean, why? Why would he uh, turn well, so quickly after a week this, after last well, week? Maybe it was this promo that finally changed his mind. He heard We're it working against Los Lotharios, AJ. <laughs> what am I doing with my career? Just hand me some Cheetos while you're at it. <laughs> He's reaching for the the hand of the deity, 
whatever. What is it? The hand of the what? The humbled hand of the deity. The humbled hand of the deity. Why is what it, does that mean? What does a humbled hand mean? Like humbled a like hand. a hand that's been disgraced? Like a like a lowered hand? Does that mean? Is oh, that what that means? I, a hand I, descending from the heavens. Let's move on. This doesn't deserve analysis. Okay. You know, I thought oh, I ma- want to see AJ and Finn together. I thought they were they were a great team for the for the week that they lasted. So I mean, let's. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, throwing in another member that they're continuing to tease her would really kind of throw these numbers out of whack because right now they're, they're perfectly set up for a six on six, uh, mix match, which I thought was cool here, by the way. Like, I thought the mix match building of both of these feuds really is, it's flowing really smoothly. You know, it, it feels pretty cohesive despite these being men and women in different divisions. Um, but like them adding another member, um, who do you think that is? First of all, do you have any idea? And um, is it Finn Balor? Um, I'll say like if this group was like really hot, uh, I'd be more intrigued by it. But I don't know. Just throwing another name at it to me is like, is that going to help this? Um, yeah. You could put Balor in this, but I'm not all that confident that that's like, let's take another baby face and turn him. This is not a company that needs to be just snapping their fingers and eliminating baby faces. I mean, we kind of joked about this, but I, I think they could do something with like may, maybe the demon is in the group, but Balor, <laughs> Balor is sure. not. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, and then Priest can join the other group too. What Damien is can. going on, Finn? <laughs> I see that guy in that paint. Uh, yes. Hey, uh, Kevin Patrick is with the Miz. He is sick of Cody Rhodes, and he said that there is a lesson: never trust a man with a neck tattoo. And says that he, Cody, could not steal his spotlight before he left WWE. And now that he's back, his ego is out of control. He's got more pyro than the 4th of July. He also hates those fireworks. <laughs> Cody's been the one setting off all these fireworks in, in my neighborhood during the day. He works in a plug that Miz and Mrs. is coming back in two weeks. And I don't need a countdown clock. Ooh. So this clock is like, I mean, they're basically acknowledging on the show that it's, it's a Cody thing. Like it's made specifically for Cody. Yes. This is Cody's gimmick. The, yeah. the clock. Yes. Right. So maybe we'll get Cody breaking down quarter hours within three months. Uh, at this point, why not? Sure. I think because be I come out here and this is a world of P2 plus, but in my 18 to 49 mind. <laughs> wow. That's really good. That would be an AEW Cody Damn, promo. That's really good. I mean, the, we're we're almost there. Yeah, comes out with like the color coded Showbuzz Daily shirt that reads mm-hmm. Cody. Jerry Lawler, for whatever reason, was on the show to host the King's Court with Veer Mahan and do his best Madcap Moss impression. Veer will not answer his questions at the beginning. Lawler even notes his first question about the secret to his success. That was a dumb question. And then Lawler says, in regards to Ray and Dominic, he says. Maybe it's something about what the Dominics have said about you. <laughs> the Dominics. I love that name way more than the Mysterios. Uh, well, maybe maybe there's more than one. Could you imagine a world of multiple Dominics? <laughs> They'd all come after me. Yeah. Lawler says what the Dominics have been saying about you backstage. That when you go to walk your dog... You're so hairy that they pet you and that the lock, what the, the Loch Ness monster takes a picture of him. <laughs> These jokes are just way funnier when you deliver them. 
that because like, when Lawler says them, I don't react at all. But what you say them, they're hilarious. Veer, uh. Veer takes the microphone and says he is not here to joke around. Ray is a legend, but he's too worried about his son, and it's made him weak. So he has come to take both of them out. And then Veer Mahan, our treacherous monster, <laughs> begins sniffing Jerry Lawler. And he grabs him so hard by the hand that he drops the microphone. And Veer has to go physically pick up the microphone and put it back into Jerry's hand and say, I smell fear. <laughs> Veer smells fear. <laughs> mm, that's it. And Lawler in his... uh in his scared state, responds, I think it's just my cheap cologne. And Veer is about to show him who he is when the Dominics run down and attack Veer. And Veer takes Ray and goes to press him into the ring from the floor. <laughs> Ray bounces off the ropes and he has to shove him in there so gracefully. And then uh, Ray and Dominic are repeatedly drop kicking him off the apron, but he never leaves his feet but he won't get into the ring with with Ray. And uh, sadly, Corey Graves noted that this is not over between Veer and the Dominics. Oh, no. No, it's just getting started. Um, yes. Well, I don't know about the idea of like having Jerry Lawler lead these segments, essentially making fun of Veer, and not necessarily having Lawler back down at the end of it. Like, I mean, what can you do with Jerry Lawler? Like, so, this to me was such a flawed segment that why do we on. need Jerry Lawler here to be? I'll, I'll tell you what you could do with Jerry Lawler. The man can't take any bumps, at least not on this show. No. He, he could do it on his private time on, on some indie uh, out there somewhere. But he can at least show fear. Okay, I hate the fact that they um, rhyme. his name is Veer. But he ha he can at least You're right. Cower. You're right. They could and have he, done something instead of like wisecracks throughout this whole thing. He's continuing to wisecrack the entire time. And it just – first of all, the, the joking nature of this shit doesn't help anyway when you're trying to promote somebody who's laughable enough as a gimmick on his own. And um, having Lawler, you know, the senior citizen, continuing to make fun of him even after the the physical threat does not help at all. This is the type of gimmick that I think is is always going to be a big risk. You know, it's very much on the same vein as an Umaga, where you're you're relying on a giant to play such a cartoonish like monster that audiences can either laugh at him or. In the case of Umaga, when he's, when somebody is as good as Umaga was and is as committed to the gimmick as Umaga was, the fans will get into it. And right, right now, I think the jury's still out on Veer, and I don't think today was helpful. So what you're saying is Armando Estrada is the answer. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, you're talking about Veer having to speak on his own, and the the choice of voice, uh, there's another rhyme, was also interesting for Veer. Like, he spoke... Like in a very kind of unique, like you know, breathy sort of a sort of way that was not, I, I think, something you would expect. Yes, yes. So you want to hear Veer? Oh God, that name. Yeah, this segment sucked. I thought um, Schreiber's with Alexa Bliss, who says she's been having so much fun being myself here on Raw and staying out of trouble. She thinks Sonya Deville should seek therapy. It did wonders for her. And explains that her opponent tonight is Nikki Ash. We used to be best friends, but then we had a falling out. But it was all for the best. Because now I'm best friends with a doll. 
and she dresses up like a superhero because our characters are going nowhere. Basically, yeah. This was just such a <laughs> what a, a backhanded uh, indictment of your your direction here for these two. Like we we had a thing going, and then they broke us up, and now we're both kind of in uh, no man's land. We're both incredibly weird. Yeah, yeah. With, with gimmicks nobody takes seriously. I put everything into this Bray Wyatt character. He was let go, and now I'm still stuck with this doll, and I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I'm a different character, but I still have the doll. And my partner had uh, a modicum of success last year, but that's out the window. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I believe this was for, uh, Alexa's first real promo since her return three weeks ago. And um, if if you're to, you know, have any sort of like sense of what direction they might be taking her, I don't think you really got it here. I mean, it was just more of a comment about how strange that they're both they both are now. Um, But we're at least getting a bit more focus. But I don't know this this whole Lily thing that they're continuing to keep around with her continues to be um, feels like they're not willing to again exactly for what you said, John, willing to part ways with the doll because maybe they would like selling the doll. But at the same time, like not committing to the actual character either. So she's just kind of this weird halfway half-assed, you know, mashup of who she used to be and, and who she used to be even before that. Well, this is a weird match. Alexa bliss against Nikki Ash with Dewdrop in the corner. Um, so Nikki is re-entering the ring and <laughs> executed like the, the weirdest looking, what was described as a double, double leg takedown where it was just Alexa pretty much tripping to her back. Alexa came back with like going for a blockbuster. And then Corey explains that Alexa feels like she's in cruise control. She's not being aggressive enough. So Nikki sets up for a superplex, but then stops to pose to the crowd is knocked down and Alexa bliss while in cruise control hits twisted bliss and pins Nikki (laughs) Saxton says that, uh, well, she stepped up at least when it mattered. And Corey goes, I agree. It just didn't seem like the Alexa of old yet. As she leaves with Lily. I didn't know what was going on here. It was like the story Hmm. from the announcers was that Alexa wasn't taking this seriously and then wins without any controversy. And the announcers almost seemed like, okay, we just contradicted uh, ourselves here. It was so odd. I think we're looking at another trip to the psychiatrist's office. We need more um, sessions for, for this Alexa Bliss, clearly. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with this character. I don't know if they know either. Um, but it, they gave her the win here. And at least this week, uh, as opposed to previous weeks where she really was just a background supporting character for Sonya Deville's storyline. This week, they actually closed the segment by putting the camera on her so it gives you some impression that there's they're working on some story with her but i have no idea what it is um nor do i know how compelling um it will be at this point maybe nikki ash and dewdrop can start doing a training vignettes for this upcoming tournament for the women's tag titles are you kidding me like you figure out like how are they going to do this tag team tournament first of all how few tag teams can you do a tournament with four okay so they need they only have half of those they only have two teams. I mean, who? Shane and Natalia, uh-huh. Dewdrop and Nikki. Yeah. I guess whatever you consider Carmel and Zelina, but they they haven't been paired together in like what she's, since WrestleMania. She's in the twenty four seven division now. Yeah, yeah. Like where where are your other women's teams? You're just gonna have to have a bunch of makeshift teams, right? Makeshift, yeah. I mean, who? who let's think about this. Who else is there? I guess I, I don't know. Shotzi and uh, Zaya Lee, maybe. 
They've never or, teamed together, I don't think. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about That's makeshift. a makeshift team. Shotzi and Aaliyah. Okay, great team right there. Okay. To the, to the top, your next champion. Shotzi and Aaliyah. Well, they're not a team, I'm saying. like, But they're in backstage skits together, and that's all, that's almost good enough at this point. But okay? she bullies her. Well, come on. They're these feuding. Teams, these teams never get along. Of course, of course, that's just a natural way to, you know, build a lasting uh, relationship as tag team champions. Um, who else? Who else we got? Ladies and gentlemen, it's Lasha and Rayomi, our new team. <laughs> Lasha and Rayomi. You think they do fake Scott, uh, Scott Hall and fake Kevin Nash with Sasha and Naomi? That'd be great. <laughs> At we this got... point, maybe. <laughs> And who'd play them? Like um, Lasha. Lasha should be oh Lash my Legend. Gosh. La- Lash Lash Legend Lash would have Lash to be Lasha. Lasha Legend. Take it to the bank. <laughs> and maybe like um and uh Dana. Dana could be Naomi. Dana. No, that's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Okay, we should move on. Feel feel the feel the blow. <laughs> what? What? I'm trying to think of a word that rhymes with glow that they can they can go with here. Uh, I I hope they go that route. That'd be great. Backstage, Kevin Patrick is with Seth Rollins. I mean, part of these characters to me that that very much missed the mark is that I I cannot relate to just about any of them. I think some of these heels, if they had any grievances that you could at least understand. Okay. I can understand that. Like a, a friend turns on me. I can, I can get, I can get in with that. I was, uh, I was mistreated by an employee. Seth, we are going into our third match with Cody Rhodes, hell in a cell. And his gripe is that the fans used to sing Cody used to sing Seth's song, but now they chant Cody. Where is my countdown clock? Well, guess what? I've got my own clock and guess what happens when it strikes zero. Probably the payoff that Y2K had. That's what I'm guessing. This is, is, this is what you're supposed to be. Oh my God. When is the pay-per-view buy tickets now? When what's going to happen when Seth's clock reaches zero, because this is a man that wants a clock and he wants these fans singing his song. There are a lot of promos that these wrestlers have to cut. Okay. That there are a lot of promos that these, these writing teams have to write for these wrestlers, uh, week after week, you know, three hours is a lot of time. And, um, I think they're just kind of, you know, digging for material. And this week, the material happens to be Cody has a new clock. How do we write a promo around it? And that's what you, this is what you had here. Cody's clock. Mm-hmm. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh, they, they, um, Schreiber interviewed Oscar who says Becky wasn't ready for Oscar. She was too busy crying and says Becky went to cry and got another match and she's going to turn her into big time baby tonight. Yeah. That's, that's where, um, 50 plus was like, F this, I'm getting the bed. <laughs> you know, um, 
it's so interesting again hearing somebody recap these promos because the Oscar promo is is one that is a hundred percent reliant on all deli- the delivery, a hundred percent content wise. I mean, you are basically repeating the words of a five year old. Um, you That's know, her character now. She play she mimics a five year old. Those are her promos. Sure, but she but her delivery is so incredibly unique and it's so incredibly captivating that it just works. Um, so, but it's, 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 it's incredibly fascinating to hear like the John Pollock version after the Oscar version. Well, just before, um, your 65 year old was about to turn the, turn the TV off. They give you Cody at nine fifty four PM coming out six minutes early. Mm. So malfunctional clock and takes on the Miz. So I'm going to describe this match. Cody went for a bow and arrow which Miz will be charitable and say he countered. This move just looked like it fell apart. So then Miz goes onto the turnbuckle, and he leaps off for a sunset flip, totally overshooting Cody, who just stands there and then rolls through with it. But there was enough that you could literally feel Cody's debate about whether I go for go and roll with this or not. Graves says maybe the Miz is second-guessing himself, and Cody's aura is affecting him like is that the cause of this so then uh cody hits a hits a boot he comes off the top rope to the floor uh crowd is not all that into this match but then they start to pick up as he begins to come back and then leaps to the second rope for the cody cutter and nearly slips on this middle rope but is manages to hit the move goes to a figure four miz to the rope and then cody climbs to the top and the crowd awakens they're like oh my god this dude's gonna jump off this turnbuckle and just as they're finally interested in something seth runs down shoving him off the turnbuckle for the dq and the crowd is upset at this uh this to me was hands down the worst cody match i've seen since his return to wwe these two were so off in this match mm. admittedly I-, I didn't pick up on a lot of that nuance um maybe because at this point it's like i've i feel like i've seen this already I mean, Cody has been back for what, like a month and a half, and he's already going through so many rematches. How many opponents has he had really in total? Well, this was the second, not including house shows, but this is already the second with The Miz, and it just felt like the audience was on their hands for most of this, and I just thought they were very off, the two of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a certain level of star attraction, I suppose, they feel, like in this pairing. Um, (laughs) Did we get a third? You still have another week before Hell in a Cell, and yeah. you know, Co- Cody's got uh, one knee uh, because the post-match attack saw the two of them attack. Uh, Seth fought uh, Cody, and then it led to a chop block, and the two double-teamed Cody. So he's going into this match with a bad knee that they would establish later after he came out of the trainer's room. And the big angle, I mean, if you want to call it that, is that uh, Seth, on his way back up the ramp, grabbed Cody's weight training belt oh, right. from a child that Cody had given it to at the start of the match. And he used that same weight training belt to whip Cody, which I love it whenever the heels do shit with the kids. Like that to me is great. Like the only thing I thought it was really missing here was the cutaway to the poor kid crying. And I mean, this must have been. Oh, I hope he got this weight belt back. Well, he did. They showed that at the end. Oh, he did get it. Cody, like, you know, um, limping back from his injuries, um, gave the belt back to the child. And I think. It's fun to do these angles, but so much of it, I think, is really reliant on the performance 
or at least the natural reactions of the child. Not all of them can be Izzy, you know, in that, in that Sasha, Sasha Bailey match. This kid honestly didn't seem emotionally affected by it either way. Like Seth took the belt. I think the kid was just like, whatever. And then Cody gave it back to him and he's like, yay. Cody, what the yeah. hell am I going to do with this weightlifting belt? Like, yeah. Can I get an eight by 10 t-shirt? Yeah, you get like one of the gold belts, please. I never Maybe watched could- AEW. You know, Cody needs case. to learn. Like, there's a reason Bret Hart gave away those glasses. No heel's going to attack him with those. Oh, good point. Yeah. But I liked it. I liked the post-match angle here. It, it was a good post-match angle. So hopefully that was the takeaway for people and not the actual match. Ezekiel and Chad Gable. Owens is out just screaming at Byron. Otis uh, trips Ezekiel and then Gable clips the knee and is torquing on it. Hits a moonsault landing on Ezekiel's feet. And then Otis gets ejected. Owens runs into the ring and gets caught by the referee. He too gets tossed. And that allows Ezekiel to roll up Gable for the win and exit through the crowd. And Owens gets on the microphone. I don't care if you're Elias, if you're Ezekiel, or if you're Giuseppe. I'm challenging you to hell in a cell. And we have another match for June the 5th. A third brother. Giuseppe. Giuseppe. Yes. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, no, I'm I if you told me the night after WrestleMania that they are gonna hold off on this match from April the fourth until June the fifth, I would have been like, You're out of your goddamn mind. There is no way they can hold this off for two months, but it looks like they will do it before the Owens Ezekiel showdown. They have gotten a lot of mileage out of this Ezekiel Elias thing. And I mean, in ring, I, 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 I don't know how excited I am, honestly, for an Elias or Ezekiel match. But as a character, I, I really do love this thing. And more so, I would say for like some of the stuff that he's been doing online, like in, on, on their, um, videos that they've been recording with him where he cuts really fun, like backstage promos, like Elias, Ezekiel, whatever you want to call him. Like the man is, is really good comedically. And, um, He'll like drop in references about how like this is my first time in this arena. Um, I you know I look forward to being out there for the first time in front of these crowds today. I remember when my brother was like he'll just get into a whole story like you know talking about his brother and he's really good at it. So um, some of the best stuff I, is just basically offline. Basically, is what I'm trying to say with this character, and I get a real kick out of it. But if, yeah, if well, they had this idea in mind for so long and and could have set it up, this is the one match that. Would have been a great cinematic match where you could Ooh, have both God, involved. That would be great. Yeah, they should. Do I mean, it, you could always still do, do anyway. stuff, but I mean, it would have required them, you know, shooting it when when he was still Elias. Because um, that, to me, would have been the great payoff to all of this is doing a scene where it's like you finally have the two of them together in a scene. I mean, they could honestly still do it, like if they just didn't false count anywhere match. You walk to the back, or like any backstage skit. Problem is, the guy doesn't have his beard. You know, well, He's that's gonna- the issue. Yeah. Be a really f- fake looking prosthetic. Um, anyway, I, I, what, I, what I think you're trying to say is, you know, we want to see something a bit clever with, with it, whether it be a camera trick or just some sort of like, I don't know, sort of creative allusions to this weird duality thing. I mean, man, we're talking about a lot of, uh, duality personalities here on this roster. You know, everybody's got a, a, a multiple personality. Yeah. Maybe, uh, Ken Owens will show up in Chicago. Kenneth. Kenneth, Kenneth yes. Owens. Yeah. Uh, Cody comes out of the doctor's, uh, the trainer's room, and uh, his knee's banged up, but he's still got a heart and lungs. So that's good. He'll be, uh, he says, Seth, it's creeping in that he could go 0-3 against Cody. I like the fact that they're introducing that part of it. Like, the idea of losing three matches to Cody is going to 
that that's a point of the match because it's so rare that we have someone win decisively in a feud that it will mean something. I feel if Cody wins this, or they're just gonna have him beat Cody. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd say Owen two is already pretty decisive. You know, like is Owen three really no, yeah, that much everything better? best of seven? This is the season <laughs> way. I mean, best of seven would mean he would have to win four. So well, who says this is ending at hell in a cell? We still got okay. money in the bank. I mean, so we're looking for money. a clean sweep in a best of seven here. Leave no versus- doubt. Leave no doubt. <laughs> um, um, right. Sure. Um, you, you know, I think Cody continues to be cutting the best promos on the show in the back here. Like this is like a really good, I think, fired up, angry backstage promo from, from Cody. And there are still continued callbacks to his AEW promos. Here, he dropped in the lines about how, you know, he, he was, he went from being undesired to undeniable and now uncrowned. So we've got an extra un in there now added to, uh, the three uns. The three uns, yes. But I, I like these continued callbacks to his AEW tenure because it really continues to feel like we are following the same narrative of one character from one universe into another. You know, this isn't a Cody variant that's just suddenly popping up in the WWE. This is the same guy we knew from, you know, All In uh, or whatever you want to, you know, for, from ROH even, I suppose, all the way up until this point, which is really interesting. Well, maybe Edge will recruit Stu Grayson to the Judgment Day. Uh, we'll see, I mean, we'll see him jump universes. I don't think that's happening for a second. No? I mean, if he's above the age of 30 and he's not a college, you know, sports athlete, um, I don't see it happening. Uh, From there, we have the Lashley MVP match where MVP fakes a knee injury, allowing Omos to attack Lashley and MVP drills him with a boot, which got a reference by uh, by Corey Graves of Mr. Chono. That's right. Mm hmm. And MVP's yelling, I made you, but then is hit with a flatliner, and there's a clothesline sending him out of the ring, and MVP uh, gets off the shoulders and is sent into the post by Lashley, but Omos comes and attacks Lashley, Lashley fights him off, but in the process, MVP gets into the ring and wins by countout. So Lashley is outsmarted this week after he sent his body through the steel cage last week and plummeted to the floor <laughs> to outsmart Omos. And so MVP and Omos get to pick the stipulation, but they did not announce one yet. I thought, uh, yeah, you're right. I thought both weeks kind of didn't make, didn't make Bobby Lashley look all, all that great. Like they're trying to come up with what they are. They're really trying to think themselves out of these, out of giving either person a legitimate loss here. So last week, like, they didn't want to have Omos legitimately lose, so they did the whole cage door thing. This week, I mean, they had Omos cheat, so that Lashley um, lost by countout. But, like, what also is weird is how, after this match, the person whose music plays is the loser in Lashley. Not only that, you have Lashley. I mean, he puts the hurt lock on MVP, and then he starts celebrating. I'm like, what are you celebrating about? You just lost the match. You know, your big plan to, you know, put this match on so that you can get the stipulation. You failed. You're a failure, dude. What are you celebrating? Um, and, and I think they didn't even announce the winner here to the live audience. So if you're watching this and you missed the, the count out, like you, you would have no idea. It, because Bobby, he would have been done if they announced Omas as the winner. He would have been, you couldn't it's, ever use this guy again. So silly. Like Can't the, lose. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I don't know what stipulation this will be. Maybe uh, it will be something fun. Handicap, Maybe. probably. Monster truck. 
battle. I don't know. Hmm. Kobo Hall. Lacey Evans will be in action next week, and we go to the main event, Asuka against Becky Lynch with Bianca Belair ringside. Oscar uh, goes into the post. We go to the break. Becky's in control. Oscar uh, fights back, but then uh, Becky runs into a code breaker. Oscar gets several near falls, applies the arm bar, and then there's a superplex by Oscar and misses with the hip attack. And Becky applies the disarmer while in the ropes and then nails Becky with a hip attack, this time sending her to the floor. And Becky gets seated on top of Bianca Belair in her lap. And Asuka winds up for a kick. What could go wrong here? Just uh, just stay. Everyone stay still. But then Becky moves. Wouldn't you know it? Asuka drills Belair with this head kick. And dude, Belair sold this like she was out cold. She just goes right down to the floor. They go back like a minute later and she is out. Completely out from this, selling it. There's like and a crow cop knockout. Yes. Yes. This was, uh, this was left kick hospital. Mm-hmm. And from there... Asuka gets nailed by Becky, and then Asuka has to beat the count into the ring, and while doing so, gets covered by Becky Lynch. This was not the comedy that Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura was on SmackDown, but instead led to the ending. Becky pins Asuka, and Becky is now in the match at Hell in a Cell. We have a triple threat match. One of the announcers asks, what does this mean for Hell in a Cell? It means she's in the match. It's a three-way now. That's the answer. So don't have to uh, means, yeah. don't have to go off the the air with this uh, cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I he, I thought for two weeks in a row we had like really good, you know, pretty high paced sprint like matchups here from Becky and Oscar. Um, I thought it was thoroughly exciting and captivating, and I think their chemistry continues to really shine. And what seems to be you know a pretty, um, I don't know, quickly put together main event feud. Yeah, I mean they they they've had to obviously work from from behind on this and mm-hmm. go in a eh, semi different direction. It seems like that you know Oscar and Becky were going to be programmed together, and now you're just merging it with you know Bianca Belair, who is without an opponent. So uh, that part was fine. And at the end of this, after all that mocking of Becky crying, the last shot was Oscar in the ring crying. Do you notice? I just, I, I didn't notice the crying, but okay, no, that's irony right there. I guess so. Raw. Done. Three hours. All right. Good job. Yeah. Um I mean it was it was a I thought it was an okay Raw this week. You know, I thought you had a serious riddle, which I think gives you a clear direction about who Roman's next challenger might be. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting whenever it's a new person that we're seeing, you know, grow in as a character and and that's or, uh, riddle. Um what else we got here? Omos and Lashley, like we're getting another rematch. Uh, Lashley looked kind of stupid coming out of it all, but I'll say C- Cody and Seth. It it feels like you know, mocking aside for for some of the uh, the, the the promos on the, on this show. But I mean, it's I think it's it's enough that you can headline this this show with with Hell in a Cell. But I would say for the second month in a row, this this pay per view certainly feels like it is a not a top priority. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I mean. They rely too much on the cell as a gimmick on its own without, I think, investing the proper time into a feud. Um, I mean, Cody and Seth, I think, have had good matches, but I would say as a rivalry, I, I don't know how much I really buy into the two of them hating each other, especially when it's so one-sided in terms of like victories and defeats. So it's, it's, it's really just kind of like 
the garnish on top of this cell, hoping to, you know, attract that extra level of interest there for you. It's, um, it's the time of the year. And it's like, okay, what's, what's going to be in the cell? This is the program we've got. You don't really have any other programs that are at that level. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, of course we have a, what is it? Judgment day, which um, I think we're in agreement that, you know, gimmick wise, promo wise, not very strong. Um, but it's, you know, the match, the match, whatever match they're building to should be okay. And, uh, some some weirdness with Alexa and you know there you go. Only only two two non finishes on tonight's show. We had the big the, improvement. We had three DQs recently. Only two tonight. So with the count out and a DQ. Uh, so there you go. Uh, let's take some feedback. Well, uh, let's take some super chats actually. First of all, because um, we got some of them for our live viewers at YouTube.com/slash Post Wrestling. Thank you guys for your support as always. First, we go to. Daniel Morris, who sent 78 Hong Kong dollars, who says, thanks, guys. Both have a pick-me-up beverage of choice on me. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. All the way is from that, Hong is Kong. Is that a drink the two of us can have for 78 Hong Kong dollars? I mean, that's two drinks. I mean, if, if okay. I know my conversion all right, I, that's that's pretty much like – it feels like it might be like 10, 10 bucks maybe. Maybe okay. somewhere between seven and – I mean, it depends well, on the that's type a few of drinks. Drink. Yeah. That's a couple drinks. I, I will, maybe I'll buy a Hong Kong milk tea with that. Thank you very much, Daniel. Uh, Matt Hahn sends $5. Thank you for the support, Matt. He says, fun fact about Seth, he hasn't won a televised match since February. Hmm. A televised match. Okay. Hmm. Well, um, he's on quite the run. Doesn't need to win. He's got that laugh. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Feedback. Let's go to the forum, forum forum.postwrestling.com. We start off here with Alexander from Portland. Tonight did a fine job of building up Hell in a Cell, but it sounded like everyone called it Hell in the Cell the whole night. Riddle and Reigns should be fantastic when it happens. And Lashley felt, I mean, what a nitpick. (laughs) No, I mean, it's, 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 I would say it's, it's throughout their history, it's been always somewhat interchangeable. I think like the first time Vince said it was, wasn't it, didn't it used to be Hell in the Cell? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, this is a company that's very on top of wording. So, I mean, it probably would be an issue. But, I mean, God forbid we said hell in the cell instead of hell in a cell. It's hell in a cell. That doesn't sound more ominous instead of saying, you know, it's going to be hell in a cell instead of hell in the cell. No, not the cell. The cell. The cell. Not just any cell. The cell. Well, um, I'm a real stickler for this sort of stuff, you know, entitling. So, uh. I can appreciate the nitpick, Alexander. He goes on to say, Riddle and Reigns should be fantastic when it happens. And Lashley felt incredibly over two. Kevin Owens going from main eventing WrestleMania with Stone Cold to having a match at Hell in a Cell against Elias. Sounds like it would be a big demotion, but Kevin is carrying this program so well. The main event fell flat with me, but the Hell in a Cell card is looking stronger. Do Who do you see being the next feud for Omos? I could easily see Ezekiel sliding into that role. I can't. I mean... I think even though we're seeing improvement from Omos, like he needs, mm, he needs somebody like who's a powerhouse, I think, you know, to have that type of match or like just a really great worker in general. Like, you, you know, even a smaller person. Um, has he feuded with the Mysterios or the Dominics yet? No, that's, that's the option. Um, yeah. That's, be all right. uh, that's a option. Um, you know, d- different brands, but I mean, you know, you've got you've got Drew McIntyre that's just floating around, and you've got to keep him busy. Um, so, what does he just beat Omos? Like, I feel like they're you know trying to have him ascend up the ranks, especially with MVP. To what though? Um, like, what are we building him up for? Like, we're building up true. Drew for a title match. 
We're not building up Omos for a title match. How do you know? No, I guess you're right because there's no title. There's, like, there's no there's no title for nobody, him. How about a U.S. title? Who's the U.S. champion? I say that honestly. Theory, theory, theory. You're right. He wasn't on the show tonight. Omos and Theory. I don't no, think no, no, was... not Omos and Theory. Theory might, might drop it to somebody else. And then okay, put put the U.S. title Omos. on Omos. Sure, yeah, sure. Maybe Code could 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 we do Cody Omos? Uh, I'd love to see that it. match. Would be like how good of a worker really is Cody at this point? You know, we we'll have to see. That would be an Omos feud right there. Yeah, give him that inverted superplex off the top. I'm curious at the storytelling, especially like uh, the promo battles. I think between Cody and MVP would be really good. It'd be very good with MVP and Cody. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, but Ezekiel, I don't think so. Like, I don't. I wonder how far they're going to take this Ezekiel thing. But you need somebody if they're going to continue the threat of is he really Elias? Like, you need somebody who's like Kevin Owens who can kind of like play that somewhat comedic bent to him. And I don't think Omas is that person. Okay, we go to Roy from Rhode Island who says, Hi guys, regarding the story on the site over the weekend about FTR working a match with Flair this summer, quite apart from the medical side of things, it appears that Flair is on the same style of soft comeback that Hogan eventually came back on. Inspired by recent comments on various shows by people like Kate, Karen, and Nate, how are these guys and many others able to remain so Teflon ultimately? Wrestling has always been far from a squeaky clean business, but it's really disburdening to see how little issues like racism or sexual harassment seem to prohibit careers in mainstream pro wrestling in 2022. Okay, so he means unclean, or, or sorry, uh, he means like soft comeback and and Teflon, as in like their their public image. Um, any thoughts, John? I mean, I don't think it's a case of him being Teflon. I think there's a lot yeah. of people that have uh, an aversion to Ric Flair. Um, uh, but there's others that listen, this is just what it's going to come down to. There are some that are going to be viewed as huge stars and their star power is going to, um, trump whatever real life controversies are attached to them. I would attach Hogan to that as well. Like there are people that will just look at a giant star and that's, that's what they see and, and they can separate the two. But I would not say that is across the board for Hogan or for Flair. Yeah, I mean, to this day, every time Hulk Hogan makes an appearance on one of these Saudi Arabia shows or whatever, like you, you look at the timelines, you know, every mention of the Hulk Hogan is met with just constant wrenches of, of his racism. Um, and I imagine the thing, the same will be similar for, for Flair. Um, if he gets on a bigger stage, like a WWE, I think there's always going to be an independent wrestling show that's going to be out there that'll accept, you know, uh, somebody like, like a Ric Flair. Or, or Hulk Hogan or, you know, whoever, right? Um, but I don't see AEW, like, going after him right now. I don't see WWE going after him right now. Um, doesn't mean in the future that won't happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, also depends on just, I think, you know, d- depends on the star power plus the, the severity of, I think, the allegation or the crime. And uh, it's kind of different for everyone, is, what, is I guess what I'm saying. The last one is Jay from Colorado. What the heck was up with that main event finish? Asuka beat the 10 count just to run into the ring and lay face first. Really awkward finish, and I was surprised they even replayed it. Um, it was it was awkward. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think they definitely, like, Becky could have at least used another move, you know, like hit, hit the manhandle slam off the ring or something. Um. You're right. Yeah. I mean, she was tired, you know, 
You ever like try running, climbing up? Like you ever try like getting yourself out of a pool by lifting yourself up? I mean, that's basically what it's like to climb back into the ring. And Have you ever shoot. kicked the wrong person in the head? That would weigh on you in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Like I just kicked someone that I respect greatly and I just knocked it. They are unconscious on the floor. She, she lost via guilt. Is that what you're saying? Yes. This was the guilt trip. Ooh, wow. Becky, Becky winning via guilt trip. Okay. Via conscience. So one was unconscious and her conscience was also compromised. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was awkward for sure. And, and you're not the only person to point that out in the chat room here. You know, we had Ryan and Brian also pointing that out. So yeah, maybe something got screwed up. All right. That was raw way. What did you think of the Spanish Grand Prix on Sunday morning? Oh, okay. The, the real main event. Yes. I thought it was a terrifically exciting race. And this was a track that I was warned by various uh, pundits that is sort of known for shitty races. Not mm. much overtaking and just not very exciting action. But we, we got plenty of it from got beginning to end. the opposite in this. This was a yeah. very exciting race, especially the, um, uh, the, the battle between uh, Verstappen and George Russell, uh, like, like midway through. Like they, I thought this race was going to ultimately, it looked like, Leclerc was just going to run away with this thing. But mm -hmm. in these races, you can then just like move on and get interested in like the battle for second or other kind of like mini head to head battles that are going on in this. And I thought, OK, the race for second is going to be pretty compelling. And then all of a sudden, like, what is it? Lap 27. Leclerc's done. And it was Engine brand forward. new race for all of these people. And yeah. like for stopping this guy, first of all, he spun him and Carlos Sainz. They both spun out, out of control on the on turn four and they both rebounded. And I mean, had top four finishes at the end, but for stopping ultimately won the race. So I, I thought this was like a really exciting race for the, the hour and a half. I was glued to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tire strategy. I mean, as always seems to be um, like this is the, the level that I, I guess like. You'd never know. I would never know, like being a casual fan, a novice fan, how much tires matter and how much strategy goes into how many times you change tires, what tires you use, and um, whether or not you keep tires on for, because, of course, it's the exchange. I don't of, care what anyone says. I love this stuff. Like, I too. find this is I, I, I am compelled by that, the strategic aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I love the dynamic. And we had it here with the two Red Bull drivers of here you have like where it's pretty much like the team has to almost like have a strategy in place. Like, listen, and sometimes it's the number two driver. Like you've got to ease up because we're playing a bigger game here and you winning. This is not getting us there any quicker. It's, I love it's, it's, it, it's amazing when you think about like the dynamics between the drivers and you've got like, you look at here like a one, two finish, but at the same time, like there's many people think like this was Sergio Perez's race. Yeah, he led at one point, and I mean, through the radio, was told to give up the uh, the uh, the position to to Verstappen. And I mean, we've seen this plenty of times. Like Netflix, seemingly, I think, loves this sort of sort of storyline. Anytime the second driver has to, you know, give up a spot for the first driver, um, and I'm sure we'll see it documented and, and dramatized next season as well. But it's always interesting, you know, when you think like when what sport that that is. 
I know these are teams, but like ultimately everybody's fighting for the top spot and everybody is ultra competitive and everybody who's everybody's life goal is to win a race. Yeah. And, and it's like if you're the team, like what's more valued, like your driver winning the championship or your your team winning yeah. like the like the point total. And like to me, you ideally like do you want to have two drivers that are ultra competitive and could be like neck and neck with one another or do you want a clear number one and a clear number two mm-hmm. and like the dynamics at play that's where the netflix series really gets into this like you have 20 seats these mm-hmm. guys are ultra stressed by their performances and in that rare chance you have to win a race it might be pulled away from you because you are you are on a team but it's not this is still individual at at different points too i think it's such a compelling aspect to all of it the the amount of egos that you know the sport seems to attract and then the management of those egos is 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 ultimately i think you know at the core of what's so fascinating about this sport we got to talk about about some of these comebacks that we saw oh dude this was a huge huge weekend for mercedes well yes yes first of all it seems like they're they're purposing purposing issues seem to have been fixed or maybe not completely you know they they seem to indicate that they're they know what's wrong they're on their way to getting things back in order but they're not there yet so we saw some good results here i believe like i believe like hamilton and and russell like uh qualified for third and fourth right p3 p4 is that right yeah and and for those that didn't watch the race dude hamilton was like out of this thing immediately like what was he he was like last uh, uh at an he early was point at the very bottom i think from like a tire puncture or something he was either 19th or 20th at one point and he yeah. like on the radio like dude he's mentally done like he's yeah. saying let's preserve the engine and that's not a flawed uh he's looking at long term here like let's not risk the Mon- engine here monaco is next week it's only they've got a race this is not away. a two week gap they have a one week gap between the next race so yeah. that's a logical decision to make when you're in 19th or so this dude is talked into continuing and fucking battles to finish fifth. He, to me, was like the, the driver of this race for, for that comeback. I thought that was incredible and greatly needed it. Like, this dude has just been shitting the bed this whole season. Well, I mean, the car has, you know, like, and, and you can argue how much of it is, is, is up to Hamilton as well because Russell has been doing better than him with that, that same vehicle. Um, but, yeah, hell of a comeback. You have to be optimistic, though, from based off of this uh, mm-hmm. performance from them. Like this was Definitely. a really good outing for them. Yeah, Lewis ended up finishing, like uh, clawing back from nineteen or twenty, and then ended up at one point four. You know, like it, it which is incredible. Ended up finish, finishing five only because on the radio they were telling him at this point to um, manage the cooldown of the engine because it was they were there was a risk of of them not finish not finishing the race altogether. So he had to back up to let signs up to four. Um, but great performance for him, like motivationally, I'm sure he has to feel, it has to feel good. But I, th- I thought, I thought, uh, 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 Fernando Alonso also had a great, you know, uh, race as well, coming from 20 to finishing number nine in a car that's not as good and not as competitive. As, and he's, you know, he's the oldest through. driver on, on, uh, of everyone, correct? I believe so. I think I he is. so. I mean, we're talking about people that are like 20, like 22 here. So yeah, I would assume so. Um, but it, 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 he was did you hear guy. anything about uh, more about like uh, Ferrari had to have been like the biggest uh, disappointment? Mi- dis- disappointment that this yeah. this race. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Leclerc was driving great. I mean, but, but you know, I I don't know what happened with their car. And I mean, yeah, that's not- why I was curious about if you had heard anything about what uh, 
if they gave any kind of reason about what happened. Because as Wade mentioned, like they have to come back on uh, like this weekend with another race. Yeah. I I haven't heard. Uh, I I haven't really really been reading up on it as closely as maybe some others. But I mean, Carlos Sainz finished fourth, you know, which was a good result. But I think like having qualified so high, like what did he qualify? Three Spanish. I don't have it in front of me. Grand Prix qualifier. I don't. I just don't want to get it wrong because I. Sorry, who who are you asking? I've got them in front of me. Carlos Sainz. Signs qualified third and he finished uh, P4. Yeah. So I think like, and if you're in a car like Ferrari, like that has to be somewhat of a disappointment. Um, could have been worse, I guess. Um, so for the overall standings now, so th- th- because of this outcome, uh, Verstappen is now number one with 110 points and Leclerc with 104, obviously getting nothing on the weekend. And then Sergio Perez is third. This is like a real. Like a review here. We're actually, I, dude. Like, I was so into this on Sunday, and Way and I are like texting back and forth during this. I, w- I was so excited by this race. It was a lot of fun to watch, and d- the the early the early races. That's my jam. Like the the one uh, this weekend. I believe it's a nine a.m. one, but the following week, Azerbaijan is the one I'm very looking forward to. Seven thirty a.m. is my peak time on Sunday morning. I'm dude. I don't care. I'm I'm up at six thirty on Sunday mornings. So. Uh, I watched this with my kids on Sunday. They lasted like at least 20 laps or so. Really? I, I was left wow. on my own. Max was really into it. He was like in, enjoying it and stuff. And was, uh, is he, is he following any, any particular, uh, team or, or, or car yet? Like, is he, he was asking me how Canada is going to perform. And I said, well, there's two Canadian drivers. Uh, don't have any optimism about them performing no. well at all. But yeah, he was, he was kind of into it and he said he'd watch it this, this Sunday with me too. That's that's awesome. How was the F1 party? Well, I mean, when I say party, it was more of a get together with my wife's friends. So, you know, it was great. Like, I mean, they, they just, I mean, it was honestly a little bit distracting from the race, but, um, they had a great time. Like, uh, in, um, it, it's, it's, you need to get those noise canceling headphones and just like get the, uh, the, the feed in. You could get all the, the radio signals yeah, coming in. That's it. Have you ever delved into like the, the alternate, uh, like audio that TSN provides? I had alternate audio. No, I didn't know that there was alternate. TSN audio. puts all the radios up on really? on their on the on the website. Oh, that you can watch listen live. Yes. Whoa, yeah, I had no clue. If, if you go to like the, the the same way you'd watch Rampage on on TSN Direct, yeah. it's got all the different channels, and you can just pick whichever car you want to listen to. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um. So I knew that you can get like the alternate camera feeds. I didn't know you can get the alternate audio as well. I have not done oh. that. Unless, unless I'm confusing these, these two, I feel you can get the, okay, the, double check me on that. But, uh, cause I have not actually listened to them, but I was looking at the, all the different channels that they had on it, but it could be, uh, camera I, feeds. I mean, whatever. Like somebody, there are ways though to listen to the different radio feeds. I'm pretty Seems sure. Seems like though. it. Yeah. I listened to the compilations afterwards, like the highlights from the, from the feeds that they put up on the F1 that's, YouTube channel. That's the way to do it. Like I, I've heard broadcasters that, you know, they listen, they're listening to all the radio signals, like, as the race is happening, I'm like, that sounds like madness. I don't even know how you could Can you possibly imagine if the WWE that. started doing this? Like, they put out the gorilla feed, like, the, the commentators here after every show. I mean, there was a time when they were doing all the international broadcasts. Like, you could pick your different language on, on the show. Well, I, I meant more like, you know, the coaching, the, the coaching feeds. Like, oh, I'd, that, give, oh, I'd give anything to get a recording of, like, you know, Vince screaming into Michael Cole's ear. Like That's not what I said. Summarily and unprofessionally. Yeah. 
say the the, the, the humbled hand of the de- deity. Like that's humbled such a- hand. It's hell in a <laughs> cell. All right. Um, we actually have a super chat here about F1, and this comes to us from Felipe. From Chile, who sends 2,500 Chilean pesos. He says, in this season, personally, which driver are you rooting for? I go for Leclerc, Haas, Ricardo, and Hamilton as the underdog this season. Uh, I, I'm always partial to, to Haas. I, I'm, I just finished watching, uh, Gunther's Choice on, uh, as part of season three, which is what, what an episode where Gunther's they build a choice. This is Gunther's choice. Oh, when yes, yes, yes. They're at the point where they have to make changes, and then it's the reveal that they're getting rid of not one, but both their drivers. Yes, yes, yes. Wonderful and, drama. Oh, uh, and he, he's the best. Like, he's just, he's so I, good. I got to say, like, I mean, I was watching Drive to Survive just kind of like on, on my own, not realizing that it was just like that everybody else was watching it. And like, you would ask me, like, who I was cheering for. And I mentioned Gunther. And you too, like, became like, you're like, so of course, like I, you do some research afterwards, and you realize once you're really kind of plugged into like the the community, this guy is like the biggest star coming out of the show. So. I don't know how you could watch it and not. He's such a character that I mean, he just jumps out at you. Like there, yeah. you know, you know, Christian Horner and like Toto Wolf are like the real strategic guys, and they have like a certain charisma about them. But mm-hmm. to me, no one touches Gunther. Like he is just such a key part to to the point that like they talk about like if Gene Haas would like drop this guy, it's almost like the Netflix series would be like, no, this guy has to be uh, overseeing some team. We cannot lose him. Oh even man, he's, he's on a team that is like not all that successful. Even if he's not on a team, like the man has some sort of job, like. On a broadcast, like maybe doing interviews, like whatever. Like he, <laughs> this guy, I think, I think is set. Um, how, so, how about how about Lawrence Stroll? Are you a fan of him, the Canadian billionaire? I, Lan- I think, Lance I, Stroll's I, father, Lawrence Stroll. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I hate him. He's a great heel. He's a great villain. Yes, great he's not villain. featured too heavily, at least where where I'm at. But the the few times he has, I mean, it's like he's a great villain. I mean, how could you not hate somebody? First of all, it's it's pretty tough to hate a Canadian, okay? But how can you not hate somebody who's paying for his son to be in the top racing league in the world? You know? But so that's a fascinating part about all the, like the Haas shakeup. It's like they go with two rookies, one because a sponsor is willing to front these millions of dollars. A Russian oligarch, yes. On the on the pro, on the provision that they get a German driver and it just so happens Mick Schumacher is available. And oh, then they get sponsored. this other rookie that no one's heard of and Gunther is just explaining, well, he's a he's a rookie and uh may have some interesting uh sponsorship behind him as well. Like it's it's a pure money grab. Like that and that's what keeps the lights on for a Haas. So that is going to inform a ton of your driver decision making is what a driver means financially for the team even though it might not be the most talented driver. No, and and they're so transparent about it too. You know, it's not like it's being hidden at all. Like drivers know that they're paid tri- drivers. But I would say the difference with, with like Lance Stroll is I think he's at least shown competence. You know, he's he doesn't win races, but I think he's like he's podiumed, and I think he's like actually like seems like a good driver. This dude, um, Nicholas Latifi, the other Canadian, I don't know also, anything about him. Whose dad is also mega, mega rich. Like, I don't, man, I didn't know there were so many rich Canadians. You know, I thought we're like a modestly kind of like, I don't know, um, uh, country when it comes to like having millionaires. But evidently all our millionaires have children that are in F1. This guy sucks. He's just like, he's, he's like dead last 
almost all the time. Um, and really just kind of has his spot because, you know, uh, dad's rich. So I, I have a, a recommendation just kind of on this note for, cause like, again, this is like old news to anybody who's like listening, who's like already an F1 fan. But like for me, like in John, we're just discovering this. And so like, I'm basically like discovering sort of like, you know, the, what do you, what do you call that? Um, the, um, botch botchamanias of like you know f1 for instance like and there's this great site called sim sim dane i sent you a a, a version of this before but this guy does parody songs oh, on, the, on youtube the, the, i i didn't watch it when you first sent it to me because i didn't i thought on season three that like there might be stuff in there i'm i'm, I'm avoiding but over the weekend i actually sat down and watched this <laughs> Oh my god, it was There's, so good. My, he, my heart will grow. Jean. He wrote a song called "My Heart Will Grosjean." <laughs> about it's so good, it's so good. Yeah, about Grosjean's exit from Haas, and oh goodness, like there's so it's fucking mixed good. in with like Guther's like best lines and losing yeah. his mind. There's no one that swears with such a our, our artistic uh, delivery like Gunther. These are just incredible song parodies, just like of like f1 stories um and they're just they're so fucking great like in gunther's and like half of them basically it's uh it's tremendous is there anyone you're rooting for way back to the original question i mean i i think i'm a verstappen fan i'm a red bull fan you know like last last well i don't i don't want to talk so much about you know the finale but like i i i i think i'm very much uh cheering for for the red bulls and somebody in the, in the chat room here asks uh well first of all a lot of you are f1 fans actually and you're saying that uh what is it uh rustin says f1 tv pro has all the feeds and the car radios so i believe it's their own service that's 80 dollars a year according to brotano cool so that's how you get all the audio feeds it sounds like and then um this rustin also asked what did you guys think about the green red bull cans did you follow this drama I, I'm oh. not familiar. No. So you must have seen the episode already from Drive to Survive, where um, uh, I, I'm in the midst of the the pink Mercedes controversy. So We've there just you gone go. Through that, Ra- yes. there you go. Racing Point, um, seemingly showed up with the same design as the Mercedes from the previous year. Yes. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, what the fuck is the difference? Like they all look the same to me. <laughs> like I can't tell the difference between these cars. Now, like I, I'm starting to. Like once you really like are able to study the details, yeah. But um, we had a similar- oh, and th- there was like a complaint over the weekend, right? About um, yeah, it, it sounds the- like it's like if you worked at at a previous like group or whatever, it's like what you can. It, it's it's whether like physical uh like details and such were were literally moved over. Like it comes down to the definition of what is considered intellectual property that seems to be uh. You know, where it it sounds like it's a very gray area of what is stealing versus what is, you know, if uh, a mechanic that you have that has knowledge of w- what they can do. Like, it seems like it's a very gray area that some are able to get away with and others like you, you avoid kind of hitting that um, th- that alarm bell that's going to hit you. Certainly. Yeah. But, you know, at least cosmetically, I mean, it, it, it's so amusing kind of like, you know, seeing fans like make memes, like showing things side by side. And you see you're seeing exactly the same sort of like mm-hmm. uh, aerodynamics. And um, it's it, the team, by the way, is the same team just rebranded this year. So the, now they're Aston Martin, but it's the same like they were a racing point in the past. 
And people were calling this the Green Bull because they were copying like the Red Bull. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. And I think to um, almost like make fun of the or acknowledge it, like Red Bull supplied the Red Bull team with green canned Red Bulls. I love it for the whole week weekend. So yeah, I love this sort of shit, like the shit shit flinging, you know, that goes on. Yeah, don't don't piss off Christian Horner. That guy will. He seems very litigious when it comes to any of this stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, there's, listen, you 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 marry a Spice Girl, you probably you probably pick up a few tricks for the media. Well, this will conclude the F1 portion of uh, Rewind and Roll. No, we went like half an hour. I feel. Just well, you know what? It was uh, this is uh, this was fun. Uh, so another race this Sunday. Any any predictions as far out way? Do you think it's going to be a big weekend for for Red Bull? Do you think that Ferrari is going to get get back? I I think Ferrari's in for another bad weekend. I don't think they're going to make much uh, turnaround unless this was just like some weird hiccup that's not going to be um, uh, a seismic issue for them. But man, after that, like how much can you do in a couple of days? I mean, history dictates that you know Charles Leclerc doesn't necessarily have um, very good luck in his hometown. Um. So, you know, he's already crashed once this year uh, in that historic race. Maybe he hit the bad lucks out of him, but he's behind now in the in the overall standing. So, I mean, I think all eyes will be on him and he's seeing how he does. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Uh, Way, this was fun. Yeah, as always. As yeah, always. I talked to you for like three, three and a half hours today. I Damn. don't know. I don't know how you do it. You know what? I'm kicking you off. You're you're not joining me tomorrow for the post daily oh, news no. update. No, what no, am I going to do? Banned. Oh, I'm definitely suspending you until three o'clock, uh, where you will join me for Ask Away. Yeah, oh, but yeah, tomorrow, that's right. tomorrow one one p.m. I will be joined by Kate from Montreal. We're giving John just the afternoon off, but he will be well. We're giving him a, a good part of the afternoon Wait, off. Ways letting me have lunch tomorrow. That's what he's letting me. <laughs> yeah, do. and then he'll be joining me uh, live three p.m. for all double double plus patrons, and then. Available for all patrons in archive form afterwards for the latest edition of Ask Away. So get your questions in right now at form.postwrestling.com. Yeah, post your questions before 3 p.m. Eastern time. And if you are a double-double ice cap or espresso patron, you can listen to the show live and even call in. We will be taking questions from you live as well. So that's Ask Away coming out Tuesday night for cafe members. And that is going to wrap up Rewind to Raw. Good night. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.